you back with us. And Lord bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. Good morning. It's nice to see you this morning. Nice to be here. And uh, we've been looking forward to it. And the time has come. And a little bit of chilly weather. That's kind of nice, isn't it? I, mean, I don't know how hot it's been up here, but yeah. yeah. But I don't want it too cold too fast either. <laughs> Let me say a word about the table out there. There are some small cards, Christianity Pure and Simple, uh, a couple of others there. Uh, any of those that you would like to have to hand out to people, stick in an envelope when you pay a bill. Feel free to take as many as you want. And if it's something you like, you let us know. We'll send you as many as you want, no cost. And uh, we just want that to get out. Also, we have a little gospel tract out there called Few There Be That Find It. And I wrote that out of a real burden because you know what? Few there be that find it. Very few people are going to go to heaven. And that's a tragedy. So those tracts are there. If you would uh, like to use that, take it. Say, yeah, I want to use this more. Let us know. We'll send you as many as you want at no charge. We have books out there. Uh, they're available on a donation basis. You'll see the donation figure we suggest. But if you can't afford what we suggest, give what you can afford. And, uh, you know, use those books and we would be delighted for you to have them. So, take your Bible. Open to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I want to talk about some verses a little later in the chapter, but I want to I want to set the scene for where we are in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus when we come to this point in Matthew 16. Let me say just a word before we, we pray. If you ever read the book of Matthew and study it, you might recognize that when you get to the end of chapter 12, it is obvious that the Lord Jesus has been rejected by Israel. He had come to them. They've rejected him. Chapter 13, he begins to do something he never did before. He began to teach in parables. Some people think the Lord Jesus always taught in parables. He never did until he was rejected. And once he was rejected, he began to teach in parables and when his disciples asked him, why are you doing that? Why are you teaching in parables? He said, because I want to hide the truth from those who've rejected me, but I want to show you the truth. And so he began something new. You move on from chapter 13, chapter 14, John the Baptist is put to death. And that's another indication of the rejection of Christ. Then he feeds the 5,000 and then feeds the 4,000, but they weren't interested in anything but a full belly and healing. They weren't interested in him and their need of a savior. And so we come to chapter 16, and we're going to pick up in verse 13 for a moment. But what happens is this. The Lord Jesus gathers his disciples, and he leaves the larger part of Israel. He leaves Jerusalem, big city area. He even leaves Galilee, he goes all the way to the very top of the country, the northern border, just about into Syria, and he comes to a little community called Caesarea Philippi. You could tell immediately that was a, a Gentile city named after the Caesars. 
had nothing to do with, with Israel. But the Lord Jesus takes them up there, gets them away from everybody, and he asks them a question. And verse 13 says this, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So that's where we're going to start. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, we're grateful to be together this morning. We are grateful for your word. And we pray that you would use it in our lives. Don't let us leave here the same as when we came in. Not one of us, Lord. But stir our hearts. Get our attention. Challenge us by the ministry of your Holy Spirit. And we'll thank you. We pray, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. We're not sure where we are time-wise in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. It may be two, two and a half years that he's been ministering, and all of a sudden he takes his disciples up to the north, he gathers them together, and it's kind of like, okay, I've been out here preaching, teaching, performing miracles, I'm going to ask you a question. Who do they think I am? Who do people say that I am? Well, look at verse 14. Interesting. Again, think he's been out teaching, preaching all this time. He said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist had just been killed not long ago, and evidently they thought, some people thought, oh, well, maybe he's John the Baptist raised from the dead or something. Some think you're John the Baptist. He says, some others think you're Elias. Now, that's a rendering of Elijah. Some think you're Elijah. Now, the Old Testament promises Elijah is going to come again. He's going to come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. So they said, well, some think you're Elijah. Others think you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Just think about that. He's been ministering all this time. Well, so who do they think I am? Oh, well, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah. They don't know who you are. Well, verse 14, excuse me, verse 15. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Kind of like, do you guys understand who I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now you know our Catholic friends think that that's saying that the church was built on Peter. It's actually, there's a play on words. Peter is a word petros, which means a little stone. When he said upon this rock I will build my church, that's the term petra. It means a large, massive rock. What was the rock? The rock was that confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, and on that, I'm going to build my church. Now, what I want you to see at this point is this, because everything changes now. Israel has rejected Christ. He's not going to aggressively reach them anymore. The church hasn't started yet. He's going to build his church. And so we are kind of at an interim, an in-between time. 
Now look what happens in chapter 16 and verse 21. It says, from that time forth. So again, there's a change taking place. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now think about that for a moment. That's quite a message. He's been out teaching people, performing miracles, and all of a sudden he says, now listen, I want to tell you something, man. We're going to go to Jerusalem. And when I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be rejected. The religious leaders are going to openly turn against me. In fact, I'm going to be crucified. And then he said, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. That's quite a statement. Now what do you think, and I don't know, you know, sometimes we put ourselves back there. What would I do if I was back there? I tend to think I, I might kind of cause a, a little stop there and say, did you say you're going to be crucified and on the third day you're going to rise from the dead? Is that what you said? Nobody asked that question. But it kind of like you think it just kind of took that. Well, in fact, Peter, Peter doesn't get it at all, at all because look what happens. Verse 22, Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine that? He just said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, and now he's going to rebuke him? Peter began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. That's not going to happen. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Quite an accusation there. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. Peter, you don't get it. You just, you just said who I was. And you don't even understand what God's doing. You're just thinking like a man. Then the Lord Jesus brings a challenge. It's not in connection with Israel. It's not in connection with the church. It's just the people. And the challenge that he gives is really an incredible one that we want to talk about. It's a challenge for every single one of us. So he says this, verse 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man, any person, will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I want us to focus in on verses 25 and 26. I want you to look at your Bible. And I want you to see a couple of words. I want you to see in verse 25, whosoever will save his life, think about that word, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. 
For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I hope you'll think with me through this. I'm sure everybody in the room knows that when our Bible, our New Testament was written, it was written in the Greek language, not English. Right? We all know that. And there's a word in the Greek language that can be translated life and it can also be translated soul. And it is translated those ways. Now here, I don't think it helps us to find this word translated life in verse 25, but the same word translated soul in verse 26. That's the same word. Now I know when I was in school and if I was going to write a paper or something that the teacher would say, now don't use the same word over and over again. You need some variety in your writings. Well, when you come here, maybe it would be good that we didn't have the variety because we have the same word. But what does it mean? What is the Lord Jesus talking about? I see if, if you talked about losing your life, it says, whosoever will save his life shall, shall lose it. Well, if you think about losing your life, what do you think of? You're physically dying, right? Somebody dies physically. That's what happened. You lose, he lost his life. Died physically. Is that what the Lord Jesus is, is talking about here? When it says, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Now wait a minute, that's the, actually in the Greek language, that's the same word. Now in the Bible, sometimes we are called a soul. Sometimes you're called a soul. Romans 13, let every soul be subject unto the higher power. That's every person, soul. Sometimes we're described as having a soul. So we're spirit, soul, and body. Now wait a minute, am I a soul? Do I have a soul? Well, the Bible uses that term because there's, there's different uh, application of, of the meaning of that term. Soul, life. The broader meaning is this. It's what we are as a being. What we are as a being. Now as a being, I have a physical life, but I also have a, a spiritual existence. In fact, even the unsaved person has a spiritual existence, right? They're not saved, but there's something more than their body. There's their being, their, their soul. So the idea is, what's going on with me as a, a being? Who I am? And the challenge is, well, who, well, really, who I am? Why am I here? What's it all about? What's my purpose? What's your purpose? So I want you to think of it that way a little bit when I read this to you. Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And you think that term life, not as a physical life, but as you are being. Who are you? Why are you here? What's life all about? What's your purpose? 
And what if somebody says, well, I'll tell you what, I'm saving my life for me. I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to live the way I want to live. I want to go where I want to go. I, I got plans. I want to do things. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I, I have my, my plan for me. Well, Lord Jesus said, I want to tell you something. If you save your own life for yourself, because that will actually happen, you'll lose it. You'll lose it. Because if you save your life for yourself, you're never going to understand why God created you, why you exist, what's your purpose. You're going to be focused on you. Here's what I want to do, where I want to go. Here's my plan. You'll never come to understand. Why? Why am I here? Why are you here? Why did God make us? Why did God allow you to be born? Say, so, well, I don't know, but I'm saving my life for me. Wow. So he said this. He said, whosoever will lose his life that's not physically dying. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Have you lost your life for his sake? I hope today you're a born again Christian. Look around. I assume you intend to assume everybody's born again. I hope you are. But again, they still have this being of yours, this life to live. Have you lost it for his sake? Have you ever come to the Lord and said, Lord, here's my life. And not just here's my 60, 70, 80 years. Because you know what? Everybody in this room is going to last a whole lot longer than 60, 70, or 80 years. Right? This earthly experience ends and we go on. Why do you exist not just in the here and now, but what's it all about? Why did God create you and you are going to live forever? Why? Well, somewhere along the line, you have to come to the point of saying, Lord, I, I give it over to you. Paul made it very clear when he said, you're safe. He said, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Some people get saved and it's all about, well, at least I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. Wait a minute. Your being, your person, which then includes your purpose, that has to be given over to the Lord. So, oh, no, no, no. I'm glad I'm saved. But, you know, I, I got my plan. I know what I want to do. I know how I want to live. I know where I want to go. Really? You know what? You'll never come to understand why God created you. So he said this. Verse 26. What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own, there's that word, his own soul, his own being. 
<coughs> including the concept of his whole purpose. Now think about that. I, I really believe there's some guys alive today who would like <coughs> to gain the whole world. I think, you know, uh, George Soros. I think, I think he'd like to run it all. Maybe Bill Gates. Maybe Bezos. I, mean, I don't know, you know, hear these names. These guys are billionaires and they're running everything. They're trying to do all this. So what if one of them achieved it? Now I think the world's going to go that direction where one day there's going to be this guy called the Antichrist. And we're going to talk about him this week. But for, for all sense and purposes, you know, he's, he's basically going to come close to ruling the whole world for, for a time before God steps in. But, but, but just think about that. So George Soros, you better hurry up he's getting old. So, you know, but but what if it came to that point? All of a sudden, I run the whole world. And then, boom, he dies. Did it do him any good? No. <laughs> Doesn't do him any good at all. Gain the whole world, I run it all, I own it all. Boom, dead, gone. Where's the profit? What good was it? No good was You know why? Because the guy never found out why God created him. He never found out what his life and being was really all about. He was so focused on these things. And he never ever found out. I wonder why God made me. I wonder what his plan is for me. I wonder what his purpose is for me. And I want to emphasize, and we're going to talk about this more this week too, it isn't just the here and now. Sometimes we get so focused on, well, I'm going to live on earth for, you know, for this time, and then I'm going to die, I'm going to go to heaven. Well, that's not the end, man. That's the beginning. Right? That's the beginning. We think this 70 or 80 years, this is it. This is the focus. This is what it's all about. This is why God created me for 80 years on the earth. That's it. No. No. You and I are going to live far beyond that. So I want, okay, what's it all about then? I'll tell you what, whatever it is, I don't want to miss it. Amen. And I'm not going to miss it because of this. This mess. I'm going to give it all in. And so, verse 26 says this. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You mean my being? Me understanding why I exist, coming to grips with God's purpose for me, what would I give for that? And I give everything. I give everything. You take everything I've got. Take my car, take my house, take my money, take everything I've got because there's absolutely nothing more important than I find out why the God of Heaven created me in the first place and what my existence is really all about. I feel people, I'm sorry for people who, who aren't even saved. They think they're animals. You know, going to live so long they die them. What, they think they're going to be thrown in the ground over it. No. No. No, we have a, a being that is quite distinct from our physical experience. Right now we're in a body. Someday get a new one. New body. And we're going to go on to serve Him. But I want to know 
God, why did you make me? Well, what's what's the pathway to that? Well, that's what the Lord Jesus talks about in verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will, that term will speaks of desire, if any man desires to come after me. That's an interesting place he makes that statement because not many were showing much desire. Israel had rejected him. The disciples talked about what people think. Well, we don't know who he is. You know, they're out there saying he could be John the Baptist. They didn't get it. He said, well, let me tell you something. If any man desires to come after me, you really want me? Really? He said, well, there's three things you've got to think about. The first one is this. Let him deny himself. That's a strong word. That term deny is the same word used of Peter when he denied the Lord Jesus. He followed into the judgment hall and then people said, wait a minute, we know who you are. We can tell by the way you talk. You're one of those. You're from Galilee. You followed in. You were a servant. Then we see you in the garden. He comes to the point of saying, I never knew. Denial. Absolute denial. Well, now Lord Jesus uses that same term to tell you and me how we have to look at ourselves. Absolute denial. I don't matter. What I want doesn't matter. Lord, what I want is what you want. So I deny myself and I surrender it all to you. You take my life. You do with me whatever you want to do with me. I'll follow your will. I'll follow your direction. What if God wanted to change your situation right now? Say, wait a minute, man. I'm getting older. I'm settled in. I'm what if God said, wait a minute, i got something else for you. This is what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to change. He said, you've got to deny yourself. Or maybe you're still somewhat at the beginning. No, man, I've got plans. I know where I'm going. What if he said, wait, this is what I want you to do. This is why I created you. This is my purpose for you. Because you say, okay, then I'll deny myself. And then he said he needs to deny himself and take up his cross. What did the cross mean to the Lord Jesus Christ? It was the ultimate surrender of himself to the will of God. In Gethsemane, he prayed, Oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That was the cross. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. The ultimate surrender to God's will. It's incredible. But that's what he's telling us we need to do. Ultimate surrender. Again, Lord, here I am. We sing, you know, all to Jesus I surrender. You ever done that? You ever had that time in your life? No, not when you got saved. That's the beginning of life. You don't get saved by giving yourself to Christ. Sometimes we hear the terminology. 
Now, getting saved is God giving you something. God gives you eternal life. Once you get saved, He wants you to then give, us, give your life back to Him. And that's what this is all about. Lord, here it is. All to you I And whatever the ultimate is of sacrifice and surrender, I give it to you. And that is the follow-through. The follow-through of a lifetime. When he said, take up his cross and follow me. You know, you get saved by making a decision, don't you? You make a decision. You recognize, I'm lost. I need to be saved. Christ is the only way. I make that decision. I make that choice. But you and I don't live on a single decision. There are more and more decisions that come. And it's the decision to, to follow. And certainly in the tough times. It's not just the decision of surrender. It's the, it's the life of surrender. Uh, my son-in-law is a preacher. And, and he used this expression. Started to steal from him. But he doesn't know so. But he said, you know, decisions give direction. They do. You make a decision, gives direction. And he said, and direction establishes destiny. Well, I don't worry about that. But I really, that is very meaningful to me. And I believe that's where we are. Well, some people some people never make a decision. But some people make a decision and then they, you know, kind of make back away from it. But when you make the decision, that should start a new direction. And going that direction is going to take you somewhere destiny. You ever think about why you exist? What purpose God has for you? Not just in the here and now. Not just now. I want that now. I want to know that now. But God created us to live forever, folks. And this week later on, we're going to talk about a little bit the day when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. That's where we're going. And we'll talk about that later this week. I hope you'll come if you can. Who do people say that I am? Well, not too many got it. But he said, well, if you really want to follow me, here's what you need to do. Because lose your life for my sake. That's where the victory is. It would mean nothing to gain the whole world. And never come to grips. The fact that God created you for a purpose that you have surrendered to. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us time together this morning. And I pray that you would use your word in each of our lives. Father, don't pass us by. Don't deal with somebody else and, and not deal with us. And I pray that for all of us. Father, you know hearts, you know everybody here. You know if there is somebody that's never been saved, I pray you bring them to Christ. Bring them to the cross. That they might see him dying for their sin. But Father, for those of us who are saved, I pray you take us beyond the moment and experience of salvation, but to the very purpose for our existence. May we surrender to it. May we lose our life.
for your sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, I'm going to invite you to come and close us okay. this morning. And I, meant, I apologize. I meant to mention to you that you take the challenge or invitation as far as you Thank you. Fit. So I will. please do that. There is the rule. I'm sorry, I forgot to. That's a tremendous, great, great challenge. Um, and our, the hymn that is in the bulletin for closing hymn, hopefully it will be a more perfect thing to sing, is that 394, um, I Surrender All. Let's stand, please, as we sing. And uh, I make the message, I don't think the, the message from the Word of God could be any clearer. That was this morning. And if you need to surrender, I'm just going to put it that way. If you need to surrender to the Lord, we invite you to do that. And I surrender all. And I I would be the first one to admit that this is a deal, this is a an issue in all of us. Because every day things come up. Will I surrender to the Lord or will I go my own way? Or, so, um, but if the Lord has really spoken to your heart today specifically about something, if it is salvation, we can help you. We can take the scriptures and show you how you can be saved, how you can trust Christ. And as, a, as a believer, surrendering life, surrendering your life, your plans, whatever, um, we invite you to come to as you sing. Well, after uh, after the service, we'll be at the doors there. If you need to talk to us, we'd, we'd love to have you do that. But even as we sing, would you come as we sing? Let's um, we'll start. We'll sing verse one, and then probably verse two and verse four. All right. If God has spoken. We respond this morning. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely give. Lord, I give my 